Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nation's Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Rachel Nemeth, the co-founder and CEO of Opus Training, and Christine Schindler, the co-founder and CEO of PathSpot. These two companies offer valuable services for the restaurant industry. Opus is a training platform platform for the frontline hospit for frontline hospitality employees while pathspot is a system for restaurants that detects harmful contaminants on the hands of employees that's right these are two very different products that nevertheless are both designed to protect your employees and the experience that your employees can offer your guests i was excited to welcome Rachel and Christine to the podcast to share the unique perspective of vendors who are serving the restaurant industry but also to get a glimpse at what it's like for these two young leaders who are building companies designed to meet the needs of the restaurant of the future. I talked with Rachel and Christine in the fall shortly after we all attended the Prosper Forum, an event focused on leadership and diversity within the restaurant industry. And we talked about those two critical subjects, but also about their role as startup leaders, how they're developing their own teams, how they continue to innovate in order to serve the needs of their restaurant clients, and what they believe restaurants need to do to enhance their recruitment and retention. Jumping now into my interview with Opus Training CEO Rachel Nemeth and PathSpot CEO Christine Schindler. There won't be any takeaways today, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again and enjoy the conversation. Okay, I'm here with Christine Schindler, the CEO and co-founder of PathSpot, and Rachel Nemeth, the CEO and co-founder of Opus Training. Guys, thanks for joining the podcast today. Excited to get into your respective companies. And I want to start just by getting a little, getting to know you guys a little bit more. So Christine, let's start with you. Tell us about your st- yourself and tell us about PathSpot. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Sam. I'm so happy to, to be here. PathSpot is the health and safety operating system for all things back of house. So within restaurants, that means we're covering everything from temperature monitoring, food monitoring, labeling and waste management, audit readiness, and hand hygiene uh, and hand washing as a part of a holistic health journey for both team members and also customers uh, that are coming in while creating a real culture around safety. Um, My background's actually in biomedical engineering and global and public health, so I'm always grateful for the opportunity to to talk to to people like you all with such a deep understanding of of restaurants in the background there. Thanks for the chance. Yeah, very cool to apply that background to the restaurant industry, which is obviously such a great platform to to spread that message. So so thank you for that, Christine. Uh, Rachel, tell us about yourself and tell us about Opus. Yeah, uh, Opus is a hospitality training platform that's purpose-built for the frontline workforce. Um, so we can we're able to achieve 100% adoption and massive, massive reach with lots of great frontline business intelligence, so that businesses can operate more efficiently. Specifically, multi-unit restaurants, but we work with commissaries and and um, multi and um, multi-brand concepts. But we're able to achieve that because we're building the first solution that is 
actually accessible. It's micro training, it's mobile, it's media rich, it's auto translated into 100 languages. And we've invested in AI so that businesses can create training 50 times faster than they can with paper, which is 70% of restaurants or traditional solutions. So um, just so everyone here knows, I do not have a tech background. I was in restaurants for 13 years, most recently for Danny Meyer, and saw this problem firsthand with the best restaurateur in the world. Um, it's not a knock on management. It's a knock on the status quo of the tech industry and um, its inability to serve this particular segment. So that's what we're on a mission to do is create a world where every frontline worker has a great job. And we believe that training is the best way to start that. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you guys are both uh, food safety, obviously very key to what you're doing, Christine and Rachel. Food safety, a very key component of training because you have to train your teams on safe handling of food and preparation of food. Um, this is Food Safety Awareness Month, and you guys are out talking about that. So, so tell me about Food Safety Awareness Month and what restaurants should know about food safety today. Christine, let's start with you. What should restaurants know about food safety today, and why is this Awareness Month so important? I think food safety always super critical, right? But in today's world, both customers and employees have more heightened awareness on safety and safety issues and transmission of illness and why the, these things matter than ever before. I mean, just our general population is wildly educated in, in, a, in a good way, actually, on public health issues and challenges and, and why these things are really critical for our overall well-being. And so I think there's a real opportunity in that today to leverage that awareness and create a safer environment for everyone. And, and we found really that safer environments are actually more operational efficient as well. So investing in food safety and technologies and trainings is something that can actually create a holistically more um, more uh, operationally efficient and labor efficient group while also creating a space where people feel safe. And I, and I think Safety Awareness Month is a chance to capitalize on that platform and, and get team members excited around health and wellness. Um, and I think a lot of what Rachel and I do and, and what we want to create is real tangible metrics around that, that turn it from something that's like, yeah, yeah, safety, it's important and I got to do it to this is actionable, this is known, this is rewarded and incentivized around. Um, and it becomes something that I look forward to and that creates a real culture around this that, that is um, a, a magnetic, I think, for, for talent. Rachel, I assume that resonates with you too. Tell me about the role of, of training and Opus, what you, how you guys approach the topic of food safety. Yeah, I mean, and I have such an immense respect for Christine because she's really spent so much time in the hardware and software space solving this specific food safety problem. We um, are just so aligned with how we think about the front line when it comes to the training aspect of it. And in this case, certification, it's a legitimate certification. You can hold it, you can transfer it from job to job. Um, there's a ton of awareness around the fact that you need your food handlers card and your food manager card. But here's the problem. It's really hard to get. And there's tons of incumbents and they all do the same thing. They provide a solution that's there, but it's inaccessible for folks who have kids and second jobs and commutes and speak English or a hundred other, other languages. So it's really important that when we think about food safety and food handlers, that we're also recognizing the lack of access that a lot of individuals have and how there's a lot of pencil whipping in those certifications right now as a result. 
So what we want to do is solve for that so that customers and employees are safer. There's still, I don't know the number, I'm sure Christine does, hundreds if not thousands of deaths every year due to foodborne illness. And we want to make sure that we're solving that problem for businesses that are, have a reputation to uphold and that need to, to um, be not only an employer of choice, but, you know, a restaurant of choice. So for us, Food Safety Awareness Month is incredibly important because the concept of food safety exists, but the concept of food, food safety, the, the long tail on food safety uh, and what it can really do to bring the front line forward isn't really in in the the forefront of people's minds right now. Yeah. Well, to that end, what are the what are the misperceptions of food safety in the restaurant world that you guys have seen? Because you're right. I don't think it's at the forefront. I mean, myself in media, you know, well, food safety Boring. is one of those things like, yeah, <laughs> once a year we'll tackle that subject. But obviously, hundreds, if not thousands of foodborne illness deaths every year uh, makes it a very important issue. What are the misperceptions you guys are out to conquer and how are you conquering those? Christine, what, what are those misperceptions? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, there's a there's a misperception that food safety or safety in general isn't ROI generating. And we actually have proven and seen that restaurants and cultures that uphold this safety culture and these different policies, procedures and technology components, trainings, um, and make that a part of the lifeblood of, of their teams actually see across the board ROI savings in a ton of different areas, food spoilage and, and waste, uh, team members being out of office from sick days uh, and, not, and not able to call in, um, it, retention and employees not feeling safe at work. Um, and there is just so many avenues to actually see the impact of this. And I think that what we see a lot, Rachel mentioned this, and, and it's it's true, a lot of these safety avenues get pencil whipped. Um, and the reality is that there are whole safety teams, both on the government side or, or auditors or within organizations that have created SOPs for a reason. They know, hey, we got to do these safety things, check the temperature, wash our hands once an hour, um, make sure that the food is within code, because it's going to be better for everyone's health and wellness. But on a day-to-day -day basis, how often is someone like, look, check the temperature yesterday. I'll check the temperature tomorrow. I'm just going to write down that it's 20 degrees because it's usually 20 degrees. And that's the day that it's not. And someone gets really sick and, and that there's dangerous implications at play. And I don't blame the team members by any means. I mean, you know how busy it is. It's insane. There's no time to, to handle these different things. But I think that's why we really look towards, and Rachel and I talk about this a lot, what can we do to handle that for teams so that it stays consistent, it stays known? Um, and how can we use times like this month to elevate that, that message of, of the why behind these SOPs and regulations? Rachel, anything you'd add to that? Um. I mean, ROI was what first came to mind for me, for sure. I would add to that just because I'm I'm kind of resident frontline spokesman here. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think there's also a misconception that that um, food safety is something and food certification is something that should be sought prior to finding a job, rather than something that could be employer sponsored or employer subsidized. Um, the cost of a sick customer or shutting down a restaurant is much greater than the cost of certifying an employee and making sure that they have the skills that they need in order to handle food properly. 
and know about allergens and all of these important things that are changing every year. Like the sesame allergy just changed this year and we're still seeing restaurants needing to catch up with that. So um, I think it's really important that access to great food safety knowledge and training, and by the way, no matter how you deliver it, the knowledge needs to be there in front of your team rather than before they step through the door and give you give you their application. So there's ways to provide um, uh, more consistent food safety in your, your restaurant as a result. I totally agree with that, Rachel. And I think what you're saying too around team members feeling confident, if safety is something that is scary and that you don't know enough about and you don't have the tools enabling you to do, it becomes something that creates a lot of insecurity for team members. Um, and then you have discrepancies across different team members and at a time where, again, there's this heightened awareness being able to lean on tech enablements and trainings to make these team members feel confident in their day-to-day. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, that's important stuff people are not always thinking about in this industry. Um, stepping back a little bit from the food safety subject, uh, you guys you guys provide important tools, services to the restaurant industry as, as vendors, as, as we'll call you, um, you know, different than a lot of the guests I have on this podcast who are restaurateurs, but no less important to the success of the restaurant industry. And I wanted to talk to you about that because we interacted at a recent event. You guys are in the in the middle of a very busy travel season, getting out there and connecting with the industry. Wanted to hear from you some of the challenges you face as startup companies with these very important businesses and services and tools for the industry. What are the challenges you're facing, uh, Rachel? Let's start with you. Tell me about some of the challenges you face in in, a, in your role as CEO of a company like Opus. Ooh, my role as a CEO. We got to get beers for that one. one. (laughs) (laughs) Travel. Um, But um, I will say just from like a a landscape perspective in our world, um, just to kind of provide some perspective here, there's 1200 legacy solutions. There's 1200 incumbents right now that are offering a learning management system. Um, the dirty little secret, though, is they only have 30% market share. So 70% of restaurants are not using a learning management system. Hmm. You might be wondering why. Well, the reason is, is that those solutions weren't built for restaurants. So as a result, the industry is still on binders and still referring people to Google Docs, which causes a ton of inconsistency. So from a market standpoint, what where we see a lot of noise and where we see a, like a lot of challenges as a vendor is that it's hard to stand out, which is why a lot of what we do is talk about our approach and what and and we're not trying to just wave the flag of say, hey, we're built for restaurants, but like we're actually designed completely differently. The whole origin story of Opus was that we took LMS and we burned it to the ground and we started it over again. We didn't take a legacy system and try to make it better. But, you know, and thousands of listeners everywhere, but that's really hard to do. It took years and it took a lot of co-creation with our customers who were amazing early adopters. And it took um, a lot of ingenuity from our team to figure out what made sense. And the secret sauce was including managers, so actually building tech for the field leaders because none of these systems have it. And the second piece of that or the second ingredient was actually being able to capture data with on-the-job training. 
So what I think is hard when it comes to the learning management system market is to be able to understand how this can impact both your front of house and your back of house. Um, the first thing people think about when they think about an LMS is this is going to be great for my English speaking servers. <laughs> <laughs> but 70% of your team is not that and need training also. So um, that's just a roundabout way of saying it's about um, really focusing on our approach and being proud of it and, and um, always being purpose-driven with our mm. mission to, to serve frontline employees. Christine, what are those challenges for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I relate to so much of what, what Rachel shared. You know, it is challenging to do something new. In an industry where, you know, things have always been done a certain way and there are challenges that people are used to, but they're used to them. And how can we, can we communicate that there is a more effective or more holistic or, or less expensive way to accomplish some of these challenges um, and do it in a way that's really intentional? You know, I think that's something that is so important for us. If I, as an engineer, if I had gone into a back room and tried to build a hand hygiene solution, I would have gotten it a hundred percent wrong. I would have had a blast. I would have loved creating something from scratch, but the only way I was able to solve a real need was just sitting with team members day in and day out, just watching them. How does your hand washing work? How do you gather temperature monitors? How do you make sure that your food is in compliance? What do your audit systems look like? Wow, that looks really hard and that looks really burdensome and that looks really challenging. And so I think a lot of it is rewriting the way that it's supposed to be um, or it was to what's actually going to work here and, and what's going to meet the needs and the real needs. And that takes a lot of time. I think mm -hmm. with both training and, um, and health and safety and wellness, these things are really personal. They're really personal to the individuals. They're re really personal to the brands. And so our team spends a lot of time you know, diving into that personally, instead of saying, okay, well, we're just going to create one scalable solution that works. I'd way rather sit with a brand and all kinds of different stakeholders within the organization and really understand what does this look like for you? What are your priorities? How do we really make this something that, that levels up the organization in a way that you never thought possible with data and analytics and support around safety? Um, and I think that the, the challenge in that is that it takes a ton of time. It takes a ton of uh, finding the, the stakeholders that want to dive into that journey with you and, and help um, elevate those. And the great news is that there are just so many remarkable leaders in this industry that are so committed to their teams um, and will do that. And I think the intentionality in that is a challenge, but it's also a huge opportunity um, to not take things for status quo. Mm. I would also add one more thing that I think is really relevant just in the headlines right now. And I think Christine and I could, are both, we, I know we both sit in this cap, camp, is that when you're venture backed, especially in today's tech market, there's an assumption that you're being irresponsible with your cash and that you don't have enough runway. And so um, I think, it, and, and I think it's important to talk to your vendors about that and to understand um, who their investors are, but it's also important to understand their path to profitability. <laughs> Venture capital is, is one means of growing, but it doesn't mean that we're moving fast and breaking things. It means that we're doing that to build ahead of what we need. So um, I have a great respect for all, all the companies that came before us. It was also a different era. And so um, 
I think one of the things that we're seeing and feeling is just a need to educate folks a little bit more on what what being VC backed means now in like the post whatever this era of tech is called now the post crash era. <laughs> post I don't know. Not post.com because dot com is gone. I don't know. <laughs> you can come up with a name yourself right now. You could say anything yeah, right now so. and I would believe you. <laughs> post crypto? Is that Post crypto tech world. That's what we're going to call it. <laughs> That's got a real ring. Yeah. Well, and, and Rachel, you mentioned just the sheer number of legacy systems that came before Opus. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of just the sheer size of the restaurant industry, of course, you know, again, r- restaurants are 1 million restaurants, in the United States, 14 million employees, some, some give or take. Um, and then, you know, you go to the National Restaurant Association show, and, which I know you guys have been to, and just thousands and thousands of providers for this industry. How do you guys rise above the noise, get the attention of the industry, not just to sell your service, but to also remind them of the importance of what you guys are doing? Christine, what's what? how do you rise above the noise? I think for us, it's about finding the right partners at the right time. That's really important to me. I'm not going to say, yeah, you need a safety solution if you don't need one. And so a lot of it is how do we attend these events, listen, I'll read the news, I'll listen to podcasts of leaders, I'll try to figure out, you know, what brands would really get a ton of value from this today and what pieces of the solution would be able to create that value and and customizing it. I think that's really the component um, that helps us rise above the noise. And I think a part of it as well is being able and willing and excited to integrate and, and build on what other organizations are doing. Um, I will be the first one to say that there are so many incredible platforms. I get excited when a new platform or player enters the space, especially in health and wellness and safety. What a great opportunity for us to leverage what each other does really well. Um, and and how can we utilize what brands are already doing? I don't want to replace something that's working. Let's, let's just make it even more impactful or supplement it with something else or create a more holistic package. I think that is that's that's been our path, um, which which has proven really successful. No pun intended. Do you get sick of that? No, my our path to. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. We it... as many hands as possible, Sam. There you go. Well done. There you go. <laughs> Rachel, how about you? How do you how do you try to rise above the noise? Um, at the highest level, thirty thousand feet. It's about staying true to our mission. Um. It's a bold mission to try to create a world where every frontline worker has a good job. Uh, It's a long journey, Um, but I think that keeps us really focused in our conversations. I also would double down on Christine's point at the the uh, another level of this, which is um, it's incredibly important to disqualify people. And so there's many potential customers that will say, hey, we're actually not a great fit for you, either based on your size or based on your current need. Um, We want to make sure that you're getting the most value out of our product. So, for example, SMB small businesses actually don't need a training platform. They're too small. So, So five units and below... I have deep respect for them because that's where I came from in the restaurant industry, but we have a lot of great recommendations that we'll send to you that are a better fit. Um, So for us, it's about staying focused so we can build the best product. And I think that actually ends up setting us apart from, from other folks at, at shows like NRA and, and 
um, that's because we're, we're not trying to be exclusive. We're trying to be a great fit for everyone. So, cause we want to work with our customers long-term and we want those people to be co-creating this product with us long-term. And you can't do that if you're, you're listening to a three unit restaurant and a 400 unit restaurant at right. the same time. So we can all be a part of the same community and we have a lot of resources for that. But um, for us, it's really about um, just kind of a, a really thoughtful, refined focus. No, that's great. I love that idea of the, the community and I love the communal yeah. nature of what you guys are doing. Cause I, I'm with you in that one, right? Which is like, this is a hospitality industry. So like, yeah. let's all work together toward the same objectives. So that's, it's about that's service. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and I think that that has been forgotten over the past 10 years or so. And I'm starting to see it come back at a lot of these conferences. I'm hearing that more and more of, um, you know, getting grilled on, listen, like, tell me about your service package. It's not just about your, your SLA. It's about everything. How are you going to train my team? Are you there for the long haul? Can I see your product roadmap? Can I meet your CTO? And those are questions that we want to be answering. It's great for us. And it's, and I think it's important for these businesses that, um, are growing very fast and need that kind of support. Yeah, that's great. Um, so to wrap things up, guys, I wanted to get your input on, um, just advice you would have for restaurant operators. Of, of course, our, our audience, mostly restaurant operators, and they're really in the thick of it. I think a lot of especially emerging restaurant brands, they're they're leading these startup businesses, much like you guys are, but on the restaurant side of things. And always like to close my interviews by asking what some specific tips or advice you would offer to those leaders. Rachel, I'm going to put you on the spot and start with you. What are some of your tips that you would offer to a restaurant entrepreneur who's building their business in terms of, you know, what they should make sure they're paying attention to the do's and don'ts, I guess you could say, as you see it from your side of the industry? Yeah, great question. I think if I were to give any advice to um, emerging entrepreneurs in the restaurant space, I would say just a friendly reminder that competition is high and consolidation is happening. Um, and so at the same time, restaurants are more online and they're more visible than they've ever been in the history of restaurants. So what that means is that it's more important than ever to work toward becoming an employer of choice. I've had these conversations with uh, Josh from Big Chicken and Greg from Craveworthy, you know, and these are, you know, giants in the industry at this point, um, but they are still so cautious because they're kind of running with a startup mindset so often that um, it's not just about competing for talent. It's about having a brand that customers know takes care of their employees. And so it's things, yes, that uh, like pay and benefits, of course, but it's also about the whole story. It's how are you training your managers and elevating them because a lot of them are green. It's how are you thinking about your community? It's um, it's so many elements that lead to this three-letter phrase that people keep talking about, but is actually a really important component of the next generation of restaurateurs, which is being an employer of choice. Yeah, that's great. Christine, final word. What are your tips that you would provide for emerging brand leaders, especially, but just restaurant leaders in general? Yeah, 
I mean, I think I personally am so inspired by all of the incredible leaders and and those that are growing their restaurant concepts and brands um, from from scratch and are and are on that entrepreneurship journey. I think the the first piece is like to trust their gut and they're so in it. What what sometimes I see and I'll really push on people we're chatting with. They're like, yeah, yeah, well, um, you know, I'm sure that would be great. I'm like, no, but what would make it worse? What would make it better? Like to really leverage their own understanding of the industry that is so unique and is so um, incredible so that it can bring everyone up and to share those perspectives and to be vocal and to share where they're seeing it go because they're the ones that are really seeing and experiencing it and they can can shape and uh, engage vendors even more effectively by sharing those perspectives. That's great. Christine Schindler of PathSpot and Rachel Nemeth of Opus Training. Guys, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for Thank everything. you, Sam.